Tappers, what's up? It is the Wednesday edition of the Daily Tap. Hope everybody is doing well. I'm sure you're bumming a little bit about the Milwaukee Bucks. We are going to talk all about last night's game uh, as the Bucks fall 118 to 105 in game one of the NBA Finals. Giannis Antetokounmpo did return. We will talk about that. And a whole host of other things, Drew Holiday, the officials, what adjustments can be made, why game one just seems to not be the Bucks thing, a variety of topics, happy to get into it with all of you. So the Bucks and Suns began with Giannis Antetokounmpo going to play in this game. I think that was the big headline starting this off, kicking us all off, was that Giannis Antetokounmpo decided to play in this game. His knee injury had healed. I thought the uh, alley-oop to start the game was a clear message that I, I'm okay, that I'm all right to play, that you guys don't have to worry about me. And I think the way Giannis played was a guy who, yeah, he, he might have had a limit of 35 minutes as he ended right on the nose, but it seemed like Giannis got himself comfortable with the knee injury. You know, I don't think it was an amazing Giannis game. He was only 6 of 11 from the field. He had he had the fourth uh, highest shot attempts, like he had, or second lowest, I guess, would be the way to describe it on the with the starting lineup. Uh, only PJ Tucker shot fewer shots than Giannis in terms of the starters. He did finish with 20 points because he got to the free throw line 7 times. Um, but he also had 17 rebounds and four assists. Like Giannis had a really good game. Like that stat line's pretty good. He was plus one overall. If you get into the plus minus game, he made one three pointer. Um, he was seven to twelve from the line. Like Giannis had a fine, he had an awesome chase down block uh, at the end of the first half, which would make you think that Giannis was probably all right. And I know that there will be some that said, "Well, why didn't you wait?" And I know Mitch and I had a conversation about Giannis Antetokounmpo and why it probably made sense to sit him in this game. Because in game two, he's going to have a little bit more rest heading into game two. And after game two, he has two nights off. I fully understand the thought behind it. And I know there are going to be a lot of people that said, why did you play Giannis? And those people also are like Captain Hindsight, right? Like it's, if the Bucks win tonight, or last night, everyone's like, all right, that was a great decision. They're one up. They stole their game against the Suns. You can probably sort of manage Giannis maybe only 30 minutes in game game two and kind of manage his minutes that way. But now you put yourself in maybe a must-win situation. I wouldn't say it's dire. Um, the Bucks need to obviously win and not get down 2-0. But we've been there before with the 2-0 deficit. Maybe the Suns are a little bit better than, than Brooklyn. But I was told all throughout the playoffs and even after they exited that Brooklyn was the best team in the NBA. So I still feel pretty confident about this Bucks team. I don't feel like... This is a complete wash or bringing Giannis back because of the injury is a is a wash because of one one loss. Like that's not going to phase me. Giannis needed to get out there at some point. And Giannis onto the combo playing is not a big deal to me. Well, I shouldn't say that, but what I what I mean is 
it's not a issue that he played in this game. I think it's just very good sports radio talk. talk. It's very good podcast fodder. But at the end of the day, it doesn't really like it's a damned if you do, damned if you don't. It, it that's all that's all you can say. Because had the Bucks won this game, we're not talking about that. Maybe a little bit. Maybe we're like, wow, should they have played Giannis? Well, do they win this game without Giannis? And so Giannis wanted to be out there, man. And if you know anything about Giannis Antetokounmpo, if you've watched this Bucks team throughout the years, Giannis wants to be there for big moments. Giannis, this is his team. He is the leader of this team. He wanted to be out there with his guys. He worked like hell to get there. And the guy put himself through relentless treatment. And we talk all the time about Michael Jordan playing through injuries, Kobe Bryant, all the greats, Larry Bird, Magic Johnson, you fucking name it. When we didn't have like around the clock updates on, oh, well, he's questionable, oh, he's doubtful. They just fucking played, okay? And if we want to talk about the 90s, we want to talk about the 80s, even the fucking 70s, then we shouldn't necessarily wring our hands that Giannis wanted to play. He's old school, man. He's gonna want. He's going to play. And so, yeah, the Bucks doctors could have kept him on the sidelines. But guess what? You're not going to make your star player unhappy before the biggest series of this franchise's lifetime in the last 50-some years. So I have no problem with Giannis playing. None. And was he effective? At times, yeah, but he was a little timid. But he, he's going to get used to the knee injury, okay? He has to get some time to understand his body a little bit, it's going to take an adjustment period. So it might take another game before maybe we really see Giannis unleashed. Drew Holiday was another factor, I think, in this Bucks game and something to talk about. Holiday, four for 14, he missed all his threes. He almost had a Ben Simmons triple-double. Uh, he had 10 points, nine assists, seven rebounds. So he had nine assists. Um, a lot of those assists were early. Um, he didn't have as many in the second half, Drew has got to figure out how to be aggressive with Giannis on the court. So we saw a Drew Holiday that was different in game six and game game five of the Eastern Conference Finals. We saw a Drew Holiday that was relentless to the glass. We saw a Drew Holiday that was creating and making shit happen. And I don't know what Holiday needs to do to bring back that guy. And I don't know why it's different because you're playing... You're playing against a guy in Chris Paul who, as much as people praise him offensively, he's not that fast offensively, not laterally. He can't really keep up. He's 37 years old. I mean, that that Holiday should be able to blow by him in a lot of different scenarios. So Holiday should be the aggressor, and yet he still wants to convince himself that he can make this step-back shot that he hasn't made the entire playoffs yet. He takes it all the time to be like, hey, let me get mine. But it's clear that Bud needs to run some stuff for Drew early to get Drew going. In a lot of ways, it reminds me of early Middleton in this offense where Chris, we'd see this in playoff games, and Chris now has kind of created his own shot. I mean, he had 29, he led all scores. He was great, um, and he, I thought, had a much to do with the Bucks sort of coming back and getting it as close to nine. Unfortunately, the Bucks couldn't get any closer than that. But Middleton did really a good job of kind of making sure Milwaukee didn't get blown out in this game. And middle, so anyways, 
Holiday has this Middleton-esque thing where if he doesn't get going early, it's kind of like you're off. It's like he's all, he he rarely comes to life late. I realize that Game 7 in Brooklyn seems like a blip, right? We used blip yesterday a lot. It seems like a blip, right? It doesn't seem like the Drew Holiday that we've seen all throughout this playoffs. It seems like a, a player that came through when it mattered, but... That's not usually what he's what he's doing. It's usually a guy that needs to get going early. And we saw against Atlanta in game one where he got going early, and this is with Giannis on the court, Holiday was one of the best players on the floor that night. And as Mitch had pointed out in our podcast yesterday, uh, you know, they need they needed to have Holiday be the aggressor late and not Middleton. It's like Holiday is a point guard at heart. He will let somebody else kind of take the reins at all times. And Holiday needs to kind of look this team in the eye and say, I'm the captain too. Like, I know Giannis is the guy, right? Like, I have full understanding of that. I know how this team works. I know how this team operates. I know what Holiday said about Middleton and Giannis being the heart and soul of this Bucks team. He's not wrong by that, right? That is not an inaccurate statement by by Drew Holiday. That said, why can't Drew Holiday be another part of the body for the Bucks? Whether it is the spirit, right? If we're if Giannis is the heart, if Middleton's the soul, why can't Drew be the spirit? And why can't Drew have just as much of an impact as those two guys? So more is needed from him. And I thought that his defense kind of sucked today. Like, I don't think that he did enough to avoid the switches. Like, there were high screens for Paul and and Booker the entire game that got Brooke Lopez into bad matchups. And that's why Brooke only played 23 minutes. I mean, he scored 17 points. He was really good offensively. But he couldn't be out there because he was a liability. And they were hunting Brooke Lopez every time out. And so I think a little bit of that is on Holiday and and Middleton for a a supporting role where they need to work on getting over screens and they need to do what they can to avoid Brooke being in those bad matchups. And I I just thought it was a shit game from Holiday. And he obviously is having some problems adjusting with Giannis and they need to work on that. They need to work on how do we put Drew game five, game six into now having Giannis Antetokounmpo out there. Because I think once you do that, I think you're going to be really successful. And I think that's really going to help the Bucks flourish. As for the Bucks bench, that to me is a real problem. I think if you want to say, all right, let's overreact. Let's get concerned about something Bucks related um, after game one because I, I do think there are going to be a lot of people who think this series is over Suns in four Suns will win it in five there will be a lot of reactionary takes after game one forgetting that Milwaukee is one and two in game ones this year and then they're 11 and three the rest of the way that this has kind of been who Milwaukee is this season they are the kings of losing game one um, so no one in Bucks world should really be surprised. But if there were something to say, all right, let's, what should we actually be concerned about? Is there anything that should keep us up at night? Anything that we should think about going forward? 
it's definitely the it's definitely the bench. The discrepancy in the bench players for Phoenix compared to Milwaukee is really substantial. And it really shows the injury, the loss of Dante DiVincenzo. So you had Dante, let's just say Dante was on the bench or Dante's starting and P.J. Tucker's now on the bench. You kind of even it out. But right now, what Phoenix has in terms of bench production outweighs Milwaukee. Cameron Johnson and Cameron Payne, the Camerons, I guess you could call them, both had 10 points in this game. Both had stretches where they were great. I thought campaign in the fourth quarter it was basically the reason why this game didn't get any closer to nine points. If it's not for campaign, as crazy as this sounds, the Bucks probably pull this one back and, and make it a little bit of a closer game. But it didn't happen because campaign just kept making shots. And he drove, he drove the lane and he had a couple layups and then he had a three. I mean, he had what? What was that? Seven straight points? And so that to me was a, a huge part of why Phoenix was able to kind of keep the Bucks at bay was campaign. And Cam Johnson, he just hits corner threes like it's nobody's business. He had two of them. Uh, he also had a shot inside the inside the arc. He's a little bit of a one-trick pony, but the guy doesn't miss. He's like 45% from three in the playoffs. So those two guys are huge X factors. And if those guys are rolling on top of Paul and Booker both nearly combining for 60 points, you're gonna you're gonna struggle. You're gonna have a really hard time winning um, because that that's just a bad combination. And then you look over at the Bucks bench and you're like, okay, Bobby Portis, five points. Pat Conton and Forbes had eight and five, six. But none of those guys really had moments, right? Like when you're a bench player in these like finals games, you have those spurts. You have those moments where it's like, wow, they matter in this one. It, it kind of reminds me of, you know, the World Series. I always think with the World Series, it's all about the role players. It's not really about the stars. It, I always think back to like Scott Brocious, right, of the Yankees, where it would seem like anytime the Yankees needed a big hit, it wasn't their core four. It was like Scott Brocious coming through with the hit. And that's always seems to be the case when it comes to the, the World Series. And I realize it's a different sport, but to bring it back to basketball, it just always seems like the role players play an integral part in a winning or a losing combination. And while I think this is the best Bucks team in the last three years, the lack of Dante DiVincenzo lessens the bench and it means Pat Connaughton is out there a lot more. And Pat Connaughton played 28 minutes because the Bucks went small. And, and I know there was Bryn Forbes fourth quarter minutes. Again, I'm not going to overreact to Bud game one because we've seen this before. And then things that happen in game one just never come back to it. I don't know if you can put Bryn on the floor in, in the fourth quarter. They'll haunt Bryn every time. He, I appreciate the idea. You needed a little more offense, so you sacrificed the defense. And I also don't know about Pat Connaughton. He was getting kind of worked by campaign, by Chris Paul. They were looking and hunting Connaughton. And Connaughton needs to be a little better defensively if he's going to be out there in the fourth quarter. I understand the small ball lineup. But maybe do something else. Maybe it's Giannis at the five and Bobby at the four, right? Maybe that's what the what the combination is. Who knows? But I don't know if Conton 
deserved the 28 minutes. I know he's been good in these playoffs. Don't get me wrong. Like, I think if you did a playoff grade back on, then you'd probably say B, B minus. But this, this to me was tough in the fourth quarter for the former Notre Dame. Notre Dame alum could have been better. Notre Dame guy, weird. <laughs> but whatever. It is what it is, right? So you probably like, Charlie, we've went... 16 minutes and you haven't talked at all about the officiating well here's the thing the officiating did suck and the officiating wasn't good uh mark davis did his thing um the refs had a stretch in the second quarter where i think they had three or four maybe five possessions where they had a whistle where it wasn't like they didn't just let these guys play um they called it very tight and with the way the Bucks play defense, that doesn't usually equate to a good thing. Um, you had Devin Booker, who had 10 free throw attempts. Chris Paul got to the line four times. Aiton got to the line six times. So you combine those all together, um, Those are, that's 20 free throws. That's 20 points. And oh yeah, by the way, they made all 20 of them. So with making all 20 of your free throws, and they were 25 to 26 from the line, they had a Jay Crowder miss at the end that you know ruined the 100%, you're going to win a lot of basketball games. The Suns are a good free throw shooting team. And I mentioned this about Devin Booker, and I don't know how many people kind of paid attention to it, that I was like, look, the way that Devin Booker gets his points is at the free throw line. Devin Booker and James Harden are not that un, that not that unsimilar. Like there are a lot of similarities to those guys. Unsimilar, I don't think so. That's okay. Um, but Devin Booker, that's kind of what he does. Like he was ninety percent from the line, but his two point percentage and his three point percentage in the playoffs were not stellar at all. And you look at his stat line, and you take away the free throws. And Devin Booker had 17 points on 21 shots. Okay. He was 8 at 20 wood from the field. He was 1 of 8 from 3. That's a bad performance. That is not a good performance at all by Devin Booker. So the Bucks did what they needed to do defensively on Booker. They just can't follow him. And I know that's going to be hard. And I think Booker kind of flops more than Trey Young. I think Booker is worse than Trey Young out there. Uh, I'll say that right now. I think he complains a little bit more than Young. I think that he tries to draw more contact than Young. I think because he's bigger, he somehow gets more calls because I think he's able to kind of contort his body in the sense of, oh, I'm I'm fouled. Oh, I'm, I'm down on the floor. But yeah, he had 10 free throws last night and he's averaging seven a game. So I don't know what the Bucs need to do to avoid following Devin Booker. And maybe it's impossible. And maybe the guy just gets a better whistle than everybody else on the Bucs. But they're going to have to try. Because the guy is 90% from the field. And I don't know if it's what Bobby Portis did against Trey Young in game six. I don't know if he caught that. Where Bobby put his hands behind his back. And he's like, all right, you can come into me. I'm going to just stand here. If you knock me over, I'm going to hopefully get a charge. If not, I'm not going to block your shot. I'm just going to kind of give you basically a straight up look. And maybe that's what the Bucks need to do against Booker because he's going to try to lean in. He's going to try to draw contact. There is going to be Devin Booker stuff that is, is basically, it's part of it, right? Like there are, there, that's what Devin Booker is trying to do. He's trying to get to the free throw line. 
But yeah, don't be fooled by Devin Booker having 27 points. I know people will will talk about that. It was not a good 27. He made a lot of it from the free throw line. I mean, the guy really that had the, I would say, the game, the man of the match, if you will, if we're bringing in the Euro 2020 thoughts, it was probably DeAndre Ayton. I mean, he had 19 rebounds, 22 points. It's the symptom of the Bucks going small. They couldn't really go small because Ayton's on the court. And so the Bucks are left with a really tough task of how do you figure this out? How do you do this? Do you switch? Do you drop? What are what do you need to do to ensure that, hey, Brooke Lopez stays on the court to kind of add a little physicality with Aiton? Now, Grant, Brooke isn't that great of a rebounder, but at least puts a body into Aiton and prevents Aiton from getting as many rebounds as he does. And or is it that you basically have to sacrifice and you're like, look, he's going to have these massive stat lines like he's Shaq and we need to get him into foul trouble. The fact that Aiden had three fouls in this game is not enough. You need to be attacking that guy. You need to be getting him into foul trouble, especially with the limited you know, big guys they have on the, on the bench. You have Frank Kaminsky now playing because I think Dario Saric's knee is fucked. And you have Torrey Craig maybe playing that five role in a small ball lineup. The Bucks need to attack Aiton. They need to get Aiton into foul trouble. And if you get Aiton into foul trouble, that completely changes the dynamic of the Suns because they are not necessarily a team that's going to be pulling down a ton of rebounds. After Aiton and Jay Crowder, nobody did any sort of rebounding. So if you look at that, okay, you kind of, synthesize it down so Aiden had 19 Crowder had nine so if we do if we do the math there which we're not great math majors here on this podcast they had 28 of the 43 rebounds that the Suns pulled down in this game so if you do that equation here so we're having fun math with snow tap we could call this segment that is 65 percent of the Suns rebounds were grabbed by Aiton and, and Crowder. So guess what? Get them into fucking foul trouble. Both of them. I mean, Crowder had two only two fouls in this game somehow. I just, I don't think it was well-officiated game-wise, but I do think part of that was just they made a lot of free throws, and that was a reason they won this game, and I, I don't think it can be forgotten. 25 free, free throws to the Bucks nine. That is quite the difference. That is quite the discrepancy. And the fact that only one person, or two people, excuse me, shot free throws other than Giannis is crazy. Middleton not having a free throw with the amount of contact he took in this game is absolutely disgusting. And that, to me, should get a lot of Bucks fans mad. And we'll see. Maybe the pendulum swings a little bit. Maybe there's a difference there in game two. But yeah, that that to me is is really ridiculous. And as for anyone who is worried about game one, and I've said this on the review, I've now said it on the blog, I don't I don't think it's anything worth being concerned about. I really don't. I, I think that game one has not been the Bucks friends, and that Bud likes to do some different shit. And he's kind of a mad scientist in game one, and he feels like this team is good enough where they don't necessarily need to go balls to the walls in game number one. You look at the Suns box score and you're like, wow, they played a really good game. They made all their free throws. 
They had, you know, over 25 points for eight. Uh, Paul and and Booker and you had eight and who had 22 and 19. Like that, that's as good as you're going to get from the Phoenix Suns. The Phoenix Suns were great. You also had 20 bench points from Payne and Johnson. Like that's as good as it's going to get for the Suns. And so again, it's reminiscent to a lot of the things we've seen this playoffs. In Atlanta, against Atlanta, game one, Trey Young had 48 points. Did Trey Young ever get back to 48 points? No, he didn't. Now, Randy got hurt. He missed the game, missed uh, what, a game and a half, whatever. But yeah, Trey Young, or no, he missed two games, excuse me. Trey Young never got back to that. He never got back to that huge point output. In the Brooklyn series, Brooklyn went off in the second half. Brooklyn went crazy. They carried that second half energy into game number two and slapped Bucks silly. And then the Bucks slowed everything down and won an absolute grinder in game number three and completely changed the series. Now people will say, well, Kyrie hurt his ankle. And if he doesn't hurt his ankle, the Bucks, who knows? People kind of forget like the, the revisionist history about that game is the Bucks were up 11 in that game. The Bucks were in full control of that game. I I feel like, and I, I will say this confidently, and you can say, Charlie, you're projecting, whatever, but I think the Bucks would have won that game even if Kyrie was healthy. I don't know what happens in games five through seven with a healthy Kyrie, but I do think the Bucks would have would have won that game. Who knows what happens in game five through seven? I, I'm not going to live in that land of hypotheticals because we just don't know. We don't know. Maybe Durant doesn't play 48 minutes. Maybe Durant doesn't go into God mode in you know game five or even game seven. Who who, who even knows? Who knows what what we could have expected in that? But so I'm not I'm not going to worry about game number one. I just am not like it. It's the other thing too. Like even the Miami game one that they won, that game the Bucks had no business winning, and they stole it. And they stole it in overtime, and then they buried the Heat in game two, and then that was a route from a series to all the way through. So I'm not gonna wring my hands. I'm not gonna just go and throw everything out that I've watched about this team. Are the Suns the best team the Bucks have faced? Maybe. They might be. Um, they're definitely the healthiest. I'll put it that way. I know Chris Paul is battling through injuries, but I think Chris Paul's like brand is battling through injuries. They are very healthy, and I don't want to get any breaks. Like I don't want Aiton to go down with an injury or Devin Booker to have like an ankle twist or something like that. I don't want anything that says, hey, the Bucks were lucky. Are they the better coach team? Maybe. I don't know. Again, this Suns team has not been punched in the mouth. And I just want to see them, what happens when they get punched in the mouth. So will the Bucks be able to get off the mat and win game number two? We'll see. We'll talk about it more tomorrow. Um, I personally think that there will be a lot of adjustments. I think you won't see as much switching into Brooke Lopez. You're gonna, they're going to try to have a solution to how do you make sure Brooke Lopez isn't involved you know, again, this is reminiscent of game one against Atlanta. And then Brooke Lopez was great in game number two, but also Milwaukee couldn't miss. And that game just kind of didn't matter. It was a wash. The Bucks did shoot 50% from three in this game. And I know there will be some people who say, well, the Bucks shot 50% and we still lost. Well, there was a fucking free throw discrepancy of 14, 14. Okay. Or it ended up being nine overall, but made free throws was 14. Guess how many points the Bucks won by? Or lost by, excuse me. 
13. Okay? So if you take away that free throw discrepancy, if you bring it closer and you're like, okay, they both made nine free throws, the Bucks lost by one point. So there, there's your answer. You got to hope that you're not fouling as much. And so how do you avoid that? I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what officiates come out. I'm not saying it's all on the officials, but I'm just saying this game might have been a little closer than people want to believe. So just a little food for thought. I'm not wavering here. Um, so we'll have a podcast tomorrow. Podcast on Friday is going to be tough. I'm not I'm not going to lie to you. Um, it's going to be hard. I have my bachelor party um, on Friday, which I'm looking forward to. I know there are a few of you who listen who will be there. Um, but it's going to be probably pretty hard to get a podcast out. And just because I have a few things to do in the morning before we go golfing, um, and I'm going out the night before, I'm going to try. Uh, I'll just say this. I will try. I will do my best to budget in a podcast. And if I don't get to it, I will plan to do like a 10 minute IGTV sort of video, video thing. Let's say it's a mini tap and just talk about game two with you guys. And that's just sort of, that'll be my solve. So follow me on Instagram. SnowtapWI um, is the Instagram handle. Um, and we'll maybe have that for you guys as sort of a solve. All right, that does it for the show. We will be back tomorrow uh, for another Daily Tap. All right, take care. Have a good one. Bye.